Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Doing in this congregation, glory to God, we're so grateful for your generosity to the kingdom. Glory to God. Let's open up our Bibles today to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The real reason why, why we are here today is to dive into the Word of God and find something for us. We've got keyless ushers today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me ask you this question on this Resurrection Sunday. Have you ever had a bad day? (laughs) Have you ever had a bad week? Or perhaps even a bad month? A year? Maybe a bad decade? I don't know. Possible? When we come together on this Resurrection Sunday, we have to understand that resurrection would not be all that special unless the darkest day in all of history had taken place first. On the Jewish celebration of Passover over 2,000 years ago, the darkest and worst day in all of history took place. It was the day when the perfect, spotless, sinless Son of God, who had lived a perfect, spotless, sinless life, received the most unjust reward in all of history. He was put to death for his sins. There was a lot of hope about Jesus. Many of the Jews thought that he would be the one to overthrow the Roman Empire. The Jews believed that he was the Messiah, that this marked the coming of the kingdom of God. But on that dark day, They watched their hopes and dreams die along with Jesus Christ on the cross. That Friday that we celebrated just a few days ago, that we call Good Friday, was not so good for Jesus. It was a day where he took, where he received the cup of the punishment for every sin that has ever been committed. Can you think of that? Not only every sin that you have committed, but every sin of every human being of every moment in all of history was poured out upon Jesus on the cross. Now, you talk about a bad day. That's a bad day. And for six agonizing hours, Jesus hung on the cross. His blood ran out of his body. His heart stopped beating for lack of oxygen 
He cried out in the last moment, it is finished. But I am here to tell you that that is not the end of the story. We have a resurrected Savior. And that's why we can still call it Good Friday. Because out of the worst day in all of history comes, only three days later, the best day in all of history. And there is a reason this morning why we, as God's people, we can have a few bad days in our life, but it does not mean that we despair. It does not mean that we lose hope. That even when you fail, even when you sin and fall short of God's standard, even when things don't go your way or life deals you a bad hand, we can still recognize that it's not over. And there's still hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to remind you this morning of the results of resurrection as we read from this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to encourage you to look forward to what Christ has for us. Let's read together. 1 Corinthians 15 beginning with verse 20. But now, Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man, capital M, talking about Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father, he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Verse 28. Now, when all things are made subject to him, how many things? All things are made subject to him. Then the son himself will be also subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. I pray on this Resurrection Sunday as we have gathered to experience the results of resurrection. God, that you would remind us of the great power of overcoming death and sin. We thank you for the grace and mercy that is poured out from the cross and the hope that is poured out from the empty tomb. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Most people would say, amen. I heard a story about little Philip. Little Philip was born with Down syndrome. And on... uh, on one Sunday, came to a third grade Sunday school class with a bunch of little eight-year-olds. I mean, no, eight-year-olds aren't quite refined yet. And typical of eight-year-old children, they noticed something was wrong with Philip, his differences, his challenges. But there was a creative Sunday school teacher that began to bring Philip into this classroom. The Sunday after Easter, the teacher had bought some of those little plastic eggs. 
and began to give them out to the children. The instructions to them were to go outside on such a lovely spring day and find some symbol for new life in order to put it into their little egg that they could bring back to the class the next week and present it to all the other children. After running around the church property in wild confusion, the students all returned to the classroom and placed their containers on the table. Surrounded by the children, the teacher began to open them one by one. After each one, uh, one child brought a, bu- a flower, the other a butterfly or a leaf. The class would ooh and ah. One egg that the teacher opened up had nothing inside. And the children thought, that's so stupid. That's not fair. Somebody didn't do what they were supposed to. And Philip, our boy, spoke up, said, that's my egg. One student said, Philip, you never do anything right. There's nothing in there. Philip said, but I did do it. It's empty, just like the tomb. Silence followed in the classroom. And from then on, Philip became a full member of the class. Not long after this story took place, Philip died from an infection that most normal children would have shrugged off. At a funeral service for Philip, this same class of eight-year-olds marched up to the altar, not with bouquets of flowers, but all with little plastic eggs that were empty. This is the hope of resurrection. When we declare that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, it is more than just a story in a book from 2,000 years ago. The hope of resurrection applies to your life and mine today. And that's why I say when we come to church on Easter Sunday, we are not just here to observe a nice holiday. We are not just here to check a mark on a calendar. We are not just here like with other holidays to say, oh, it was a nice thing that happened so long ago. When it comes to Easter Sunday, we are here to experience the same resurrection life and power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me give you this morning some results of resurrection that you can experience today. Are you ready for this? If Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, number one, then you can have peace and confidence. After this worst day in history on Passover Friday, when Jesus died on the cross, the disciples were very much afraid. They had spent three years of their lives following Jesus as their master, as their rabbi, as their teacher. They had put their hopes and their dreams into Jesus Christ, believing that he was the Messiah. And in one moment, in a few short hours, all of their dreams and their hopes had failed. Now, if that was you, if you had spent three years of your life chasing a dream, if you had given up all to follow after that dream, and then in a matter of hours see it all fall apart, how would you feel? You'd feel despondent. 
you would feel hopeless. You would feel I've just wasted my life for the last three years. And this is how the disciples felt. No wonder that they thought they were next on the chopping block. That the Jews were going to come and find them next. And so we find these disciples in John chapter 20. We find them huddling down and hiding because they were afraid and they were in great despair. Look at verse 19. Then the same day at evening, first day of the week, the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Right there, beloved, right there is the disposition of most religious people. And when I say religious, I mean people who have a knowledge of religion, people who have been to church a few times, but people who might not necessarily be saved and on their way to heaven. Religion on its own doesn't save anybody. How many can say amen to that? You know you can go to church a thousand times and still not be, be uh, on your way to heaven. Did you know that? Uh, I lost a few people just there. I'm not sure what happened. But this is a representation. These Jews, these uh, disciples of Jesus, after, after Jesus had died, it says that they were in a room, they were afraid, and the door was shut. They were, say, they were making a statement to the world around them, we don't want to be involved. So many religious people are right there. Even perhaps people who are gathered on Sunday mornings in churches all around this world today are saying, yeah, we want to, you know, we want to, uh, we want to claim that we know Jesus, but really we don't want to be involved. We don't want to be out there. They were afraid. They were filled with fear and shame for their for their faith. And it is no doubt because they had seen the crucifixion. But then we read this glorious scripture, John 20, verse 20, or verse 19, rather. Jesus stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I think that that is a great understatement in the Word of God. When they saw Jesus, this is the first time they've seen Him after His crucifixion, they realize that He is not dead, but that He is alive. He shows them the wounds in His hands and His feet, in His side. And He shows them that He is well. What did this change in that it changed everything? It changed their future. All of a sudden, when they used to have fear, now, well, I don't have to be afraid anymore. When there used to be shame about being a follower of Jesus, now, now, what do they have? Ooh, their chest bumps out a little bit. Man, I guess it was right to follow Jesus these three years. I guess death doesn't have power over the one that I'm following. And no wonder every single one of them spent the rest of their lives preaching the good news of Jesus no matter how much it hurt them. Because that moment gave them peace and confidence. How about you today? What the church desperately needs is peace with God and confidence before the world. So many of us, because of our sins, we feel afraid of God. And yes, your sins should cause you to be afraid of God and His judgment. 
But what we find in the resurrection of Jesus is an answer for our sins. That we can come to Jesus, ask forgiveness, and find peace with God. So that He will no longer be your judge, but He will be your Father. That's called peace with God. For we who were once at enmity with God now have become children of God. Right? In our sins we were enemies, but in Christ we can become kids of the King. A good father will generate peace in the household. Peace with his children. And not only that, but they now could step out of that room with every confidence. Even though Jesus begins to vanish like Star Trek, in and out of rooms, he just shows up and disappears. We don't know how that happens. But even though Jesus disappears again, those guys can open that door and they say, you Jews, you can kill us if you want to. We serve a resurrected Savior. We're going to keep preaching. And you read the book of Acts and you will find men who are not afraid, who are not filled with shame or fear. Can you say amen? In the same way, brothers and sisters, when you walk out of that door today, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be filled with fear or shame. You and I can have confidence for the world and to win it. Secondly, if Jesus is alive, then there is hope. Everybody say the word hope. Oh, hope. Hope is such a necessary ingredient for you and I. You know why so many people are depressed in our generation? Because they've lost hope. You know why so many people are on prescription medications in our generation? You know why the rates of teen suicide are skyrocketing like a hockey stick right now? Because so many of young people are losing hope for their future. What we desperately need is hope. There was a famous story of a mental mental institution outside the city of Boston. There was a young girl known as Little Annie that they kept locked deep in the basement. It was the only place, the doctor said, for those who were hopelessly insane. And for little Annie, they saw absolutely no hope for her. She was consigned to a a small cage that received little light and even less hope. About that time, there was an elderly nurse nearing retirement, and she felt, because she was a believer in Christ, That there was hope for every one of God's children. And so this little Annie who acted more like an animal than a human being, she would start taking lunch and sandwiches into this basement and eating outside little Annie's cage. She felt perhaps that she could somehow communicate the love and hope of Christ to this little girl. Little Annie acted Uh, much like an animal. Many times she would violently attack people who came near her. At other times she would just completely ignore them. But when this nurse began to visit her, little Annie gave no indication that she was even aware of her presence. One day the nurse came by and brought some brownies. How many brownies are spiritual? She brought brownies into this cage and left them there for little Annie. She didn't acknowledge this nurse. She didn't acknowledge the brownies. But when the nurse returned the next day, guess what? 
the brownies had been eaten. And from that time on, the nurse would continue to bring these brownies when she made her Thursday visit. Soon after, the doctors in the institution began to notice a change that was taking place. They decided after some time that little Annie wasn't as violent as she used to be, so they could move her upstairs. The doctors, when they used to have no hope for her, began to see some hope that she could eventually leave and return home. But when finally the day came that the doctors began to work with her, little Annie had burnt all of her bridges, and she didn't want to leave. She chose to stay in that mental institution in order to help others. This, this girl, little Annie, grew up to be a person whose name you might recognize, Anne Sullivan. Anne Sullivan was the woman who cared, taught, and nurtured Helen Keller in that same mental institution years down the road. Here's what I want to tell you today. If Christ is risen from the dead, there is hope in every hopeless situation. Every hopeless person. Every hopeless dream. Maybe the dream that you think will never come to pass. I want to tell you, if Christ is risen from the dead, when the seal was, when, when the tomb was closed and the seal was set by those Roman soldiers, we're going to see it in the story tonight. It was a symbol of a hopeless situation. That seal, maybe you caught a glimpse of it on that video trailer. The seal that they put over the tomb of Jesus, it was a massive stone. It would have weighed tons. And they closed it with ropes and sealed it with the Roman guard on both sides. There is no way Jesus is getting out. That is a hopeless situation. I want to tell you there's no such thing in the kingdom of God. The same God who can break the seal on that tomb and a dead body can be raised to life again, then your hopeless situation isn't so hopeless anymore, is it? A hopeless marriage. A hopeless child. A hopeless sinner is not so hopeless anymore. Your life, what you're going through today might feel like the Friday that Jesus died might look like the clouds, the earthquake, the blood, the, the thorns, the spikes. I want to tell you, Sundays can come. A lot can change in only a few days. If you are living on a Friday, don't lose hope because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Everybody say, living hope. It is a hope that is not dead. It is alive. A living hope that we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, that what should what are the results of resurrection? You ought to walk out of this service with a little spring in your step. And you might be going through the valley of the shadow of death today, but I want to tell you there's still hope. 
because Jesus Christ and His power, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you have access this morning to resurrection power. And you don't have to live in hopeless situations. Finally, this morning, if Jesus is alive, then we have victory. Everybody say victory. We have victory in, in, uh, in three arenas. Are you ready for this? It's going to blow you away. Victory in places that you thought there was no victory possible. First of all, we have victory over hell. Revelation 1.18, I am he who lives, this is Jesus speaking. I was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and hell. You know, when you held the keys to something, it means you have the power over it. I have the keys. Well, actually, I gave my keys to somebody else, so they have the victory today. But I hold the keys to this church building. That means I have the authority to come here whenever I want to. I also hold the keys to my house and to my car and to my other car. And those keys are the evidence that they belong to me, right? When Jesus says that I hold the keys of death and hell, it means that, listen, we don't have to have fear anymore about those things. We don't have to be afraid to die. In Christ, we have the answer for death. Satan has already been defeated. He is nothing more than a dog on a chain for us believers because we have victory over him. James 4, verse 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The devil is a defeated foe because Jesus Christ holds the keys to hell. Secondly, we have victory over the world. 1 John 4, uh, 5, verses 4 and 5. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. The world is a system that is set against us. The world that we live in is a world that is uh, full of flesh and temptation and will lead you away from Christ. How many know that? But we have victory over the world because of resurrection. And finally, we have victory over sin and death. Romans 8, verse 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and and death. That is so profound. I hope you can catch that this morning. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. Because Christ is risen from the dead, then you are no longer subject to sin and death. When you trust in Him, the power of sin no longer has control over you. That's incredible. It's not natural. We rightly deserve condemnation for our sins. But because Christ is risen from the dead, we have power over it in Him. And because we have power over sin and death through Christ, we also have the promise of eternity. Can I tell you, we are talking about immortality this morning. We are talking about living forever. The, the thing that, that explorers left the shores of Europe in search of those springs eternal that would give them the fountain of eternal life, that people began to circle the globe in search of some 
miracle uh, spring from the ground that when they would drink the water, they could live longer. You know, modern age, we're still looking for it. In our technological age, we are still looking for the fountain of youth. If you go to Walmart today, you'll find entire racks filled with lotions and potions that promise to remove your wrinkles and increase your sex appeal and promise to make sure that you can have more life. But can I tell you, there's no pill that you can take to make you last forever. There's no cream you can spread under your eyes that will stop the the advancement of age. But there is something this morning that when you partake of this thing, you have the right to immortality. Death, which seems so unnatural to us. How many ever had a loved one that passed away? Let me see your hands. How many ever attended a funeral? Have you ever noticed when you go to a funeral, something does not seem right about it? Death is not right to us. It's so unjust. It seems like, why is this happening? We always begin to ponder about our own mortality. It doesn't, there's something doesn't compute here. It doesn't make sense. And that's exactly right, because God made us originally to last forever. Adam and Eve had eternal bodies until sin entered the picture. Here's the answer today. God sent his only son. Whoever believed in him would not die but have eternal life. John 14, verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you also No. If Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, it means that there is something to look forward to after this life is over. Can I tell you, that's something that atheism can't give to you. Atheism, socialism, all of the isms of this world that focus on people and focus on the present time, they might be able to make you feel better for a short time, You might be able to live how you want for a little while on this earth, but those perspectives and those views of life, they can only help you in this life. Only in Christ do we have a hope for after death. They say that there are no atheists in foxholes. And that's because when we are facing our own mortality, we naturally begin to cry out, our maker. If Christ is risen from the dead, then we have a promise of immortality, a promise of an eternity in the presence of our resurrected Savior. I close with a thought from Benjamin Franklin, one of the founders of our great nation, an inventor, a thinker, an author, and a print, uh, one one of the very first print presses in America. But in one of his uh, publications, Benjamin Franklin his own epitaph, what he wanted to be written about him when he died. He never professed to be a born-again Christian, but it seems that he was very familiar with the teachings of Paul on the resurrection of the body 
through Jesus Christ. And this is what he wrote. He wrote, uh, here lies the body of Benjamin Franklin, printer, like the cover of an old book, its contents torn out, and stripped of its lettering and gilding, lies here, food for worms, but the work shall not be wholly lost, for it will, as it as he believed, appear once more in a new and more perfect edition, corrected and amended by the author. What a beautiful description of the resurrection that is to come. If Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, then we have the hope of a future resurrection of our own. Did you know that? The ultimate hope of the resurrection is that Jesus, in our scripture, it said he was the first fruits. That means he was the prototype. He was the first one resurrected from the dead, but not the last. The scriptures describe that when Christ shall come, when eternity is fulfilled, when Armageddon is completed, that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and the old shall pass away, and that there will be a new earth, and that means that the dead, cold body that goes into the ground will be reunited one day with your spirit. And what Jesus experienced 2,000 years ago, we will all experience together in the resurrection. That's what we have to look forward to. My question this morning as we close, do you have that hope? Even though this, this is possible for everyone, not everyone experiences it. Today, you can experience the hope of resurrection if you will repent from sin and trust in Christ. Let's bow our heads for just a moment as we reflect on the incredible results of resurrection, the power that we have in Christ. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vvph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.